Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy Thursday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show here live and on demand on Blaze TV radio and podcast. I'm Steve Dace alongside Todd Erzin, Aaron McIntyre, and all of you. Coming up on today's show, um, we are going to call a bit of an audible, and I know I don't want to frustrate people. I know we are near the end in our series on Theology Thursday, looking at um, the outstanding book by Dr. Tony Evans, uh, Kingdom Politics. And there have been moments, like you had a disagreement last week, even when we have had disagreements, the conversation I think has been yes. worthwhile and robust and, and the arguments that it has broached and started. And so we greatly appreciate that critical thinking exercise. But uh, I have something that uh, it's kind of on my heart that I, I want to share with the audience. And I, I, I'm not saying what I'm suggesting is, is what is occurring here. I'm, I want to make that very clear. I, I am not some specifically ordained prophet. I, I, I don't have a word from the Lord for you um, other than the word that the Lord already gave us. That's the best I can do for you. Okay. Um, but um, studying that word here in our small group the last few weeks and, and one portion of scripture in particular and, and then looking at what's happening in our culture, I, I want to present the, a possibility. Again, I, I'm not a prophet in the traditional sense, capital P. Um, so I, I'm not here to say, thus speaketh the Lord God of hosts. I'm, I'm simply here just a guy who gets paid to be a watchman on the wall that loves his country and, and loves his Lord. And... I just want to suggest that there's a that something could be on the table that we are not considering and that we should consider it. And if we do and decide, you know, we're, we're not going to decide on this consideration today. We're just going to throw the consideration out there. And at the end of it, if, if you're like, I don't buy it, I don't think so. Okay. I did my job, which is let's just consider something for a moment here. And we will do that in Theology Thursday a little bit later on. Uh, Dr. Pierre Corey is going to join us at the bottom of the hour. Uh, he has a few words for the latest FDA approval of another round of boosters of the poison poke. Speaking of which, uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and his, uh, his health director, Dr. Joe Latipo, uh, they put out an advisory against people under the age of 65. So unless you're in a very high-risk group taking any COVID vaccines whatsoever. Well, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis will join us at the end of the show here today to discuss that decision and what went into it. Uh, so we'll get into that as well. want to remind you about our great friends over at Preborn, the outstanding ministry that unlike, unfortunately, uh, too much of the pro-life industry and movement, they were prepared for a post-real world because they were already engaged in the hand-to-hand, heart-to-heart, soul-to-soul combat uh, that it really will take to end this just scourge on our civilization once and for all. And I love the way that they model uh, grace and truth. They confront moms with the truth. Hey, that's another baby. That's a baby in your belly. That's another human being that has its own DNA, its own heartbeat. They let them, they let that mom hear that heartbeat. And about 80% of the time when she does, she doesn't go through uh, with, with killing her child. But then they, they also provide the grace. These are moms in crisis. I mean, let, let, let's face it. If you are happily married, 
or secure in your relationship and you are pregnant, you're usually not looking to get an abortion. It's women who don't have those things like my mom was pregnant at 14. They're usually the ones looking to get abortions and they're in crisis. They need help and they're there for them. Uh, They provide all kinds of care, even counseling pre and postnatal, all of it free of charge. The ultrasounds are just 28 bucks. 80% 80% odds you'll save a life for 28 bucks. Would you roll the dice on that $28 saving a life at 80% odds? I know a lot of you would. All right. So uh, take part in this great cause by donating now at preborn.com slash Steve. That's preborn.com slash Steve or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby on your mobile phone. Pound 250 keyword baby on your mobile phone or the simplest thing you can do, make a tax deductible donation right now at preborn.com slash Steve. And with that, let us begin with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by, well, that happened. I never got, I think, the credit that I deserved on COVID. Donald Trump was interviewed by former Fox News host and current Sirius XM broadcaster Megyn Kelly, where the latter pressed him on the issue of COVID and the COVID jabs. Trump, sadly, and once again, displayed no modicum of humility. But I have people on the other side, I don't, not my side, although probably there's some on my side too. They said, you saved 100 million people because I got it done in nine months as opposed to five years to 12 years. A lot of people- You're proud of it. No, I'm not proud of it. I'm saying what Democrats think. Democrats. I get it. I mean, and I'm not, den- and I'm I'm not, not somebody I'm who not, denies some of the good yeah, that the vaccines yeah. did. I, I lived through that too. But yeah. of course, a lot of people have been vaccine injured. And that's one of the questions. Those people are mad that they were rushed through and that they can't sue. Well, I never gave mandates and people have to make up their own, you know, make their own decision as far as I'm concerned. Now, some places had mandates, very strong mandates, uh, largely Democrat governors and probably some Republicans, et cetera, et cetera. But there are Democrats that say, why aren't you talking about that? It's one of the they really believe strongly. One said you say and this is very smart people. They said, you saved 100 million people worldwide. You might have saved 100 million people, 50 million people. Why aren't you talking about it? I said, I'm not talking about it. But what I did do is I got something done for that specific thing. I also got Regeneron and I got a lot of therapeutics done, which were great. I also got the robes and the leather and the rubber and all of the different things, the ventilators. Mm -hmm. We did a tremendous job and it's never, you know, they appreciated what I did with the economy. I got a lot of good marks on economy. I got a lot of good marks on a lot of things. Rebuilding the military, getting rid of ISIS, uh, the biggest tax cuts in history. Uh, Supreme Court. I never got, I think, the credit that I deserved uh, on COVID. On the topic of shutdowns, Trump outright lied, saying South Carolina under Henry McMaster didn't lock down. They did. And saying that Florida under DeSantis had the worst lockdowns. You know what I did. I let the governors run their states. And many of the governors uh, opened up their states. Some of them didn't. Florida, by the way, Florida, by the way, was closed. Uh, But if you take a look at Henry McMaster, he had his state, uh, South Carolina, open. If you look at Ron DeSanctimonious, he was, this guy said the greatest things. I can give you articles that... Well, Fauci's great. He's wonderful. We love him. We don't do anything without Fauci. This went on for months. But he didn't listen to Fauci. Uh, he did 100%. Look. He shut down Florida I will for a give month. you. He shut down Florida. For a month. Oh, he shut it down for a lot of long. He shut down the beaches. He shut down the roads. On the topic of Dr. Anthony Fauci, Trump says he doesn't know who gave him the presidential commendation when, you know, Trump was still president. 
fire Anthony Fauci uh, was because he'd been there for a long time, that you would have taken heat, that it would have created a firestorm, quoting your words. Then for the first time in May... I also said I didn't listen to him too much. I'm getting there. But then in in May, you started saying, well, he's a civil servant, so I couldn't technically. The truth is, though, not only did you not fire Fauci, who is loathed by many, many millions of Republicans in particular, but also some Democrats. By the way... You made him a star. You made him a star. This is the criticism of you, that you made him the face of the White House coronavirus task force. You think so? That he was at every presser, that he was running herd for the administration on COVID, and that you actually gave him a presidential commendation before you left office. Wouldn't you like a do-over on that? Uh, I don't know who gave him the commendation. I really don't know who gave him the commendation. Well, presidential I commendation. One went I off know. Mark Somebody Miller, probably- And that's what happened while we were away. Aaron's montage brought to you by our friends over at Relief Factor. You know, everyone deals with pain from time to time. Especially right now. Chronic pain as we get older is one of the few guarantees we have in life. Usually it's the result of too much inflammation in your body. And that's why you want to check out the drug-free anti-inflammatory, although created by physicians who can prescribe drugs, known as Relief Factor. There's not always a drug-free solution to your malady. And so when there's not, make sure you seek out proper medical care. Pardon me, without being anybody's lab rat, for example. Uh, But uh, if there is a drug-free remedy by all means pursue it now we're not here to guarantee that relief factor will be that remedy for you but like i was just saying about preborn, 70 percent odds it will be where do i get that number from well over the years about 70 percent of the people that tried the three-week quick start for just 20 bucks see such noticeable results in three weeks or less that they stick around long term as customers of relief factor so what do you got to lose for 20 bucks for three weeks just 20 bucks for three weeks Pardon me. When you go to relieffactor.com, that's relieffactor.com, or you can call them at 800, the number four relief, 800 for relief, or relieffactor.com. I want to first and foremost say thank you to Megyn Kelly for asking the questions that others had opportunities recently to ask of the former president and for reasons chose not to. And... I mean, she asked them about as gently as you possibly could. And almost nothing the president said there is true in any of these answers. For example, on April 13th, 2020, President Trump, then President Trump said, for the purpose of creating conflict and confusion, some in the fake news media are saying that it is the governor's decision to open up the states, not that of the president of the United States and the federal government. Let it be fully understood that this is incorrect. It is the decision of the president. And for many good reasons. With that being said, the administration and I are working closely with the governors, and this will continue. A decision by me in conjunction with the governors and input from others will be made shortly. He was making it very clear he was in charge. And I'm the one advising lockdowns. Ask Georgia Governor Brian Kemp when he reopened. And Trump, two days in a row, used the platform of the White House to attack him. When Governor Kemp was being accused of the, the, wasn't it the Atlantic, that accused him of an experiment in human sacrifice. I believe those were their exact words. If it wasn't the Atlantic, it was that kind of a publication. So that's not true. 
the, the idea that these governors just went off and did this on their own willy nilly and just, you know, you do what you want. That's, that's just not true. That, that's not true. The idea. Why, why is he so adamant that Henry McMaster uh, did better than Ron DeSantis, which is also not true, because Henry McMaster, the governor of South Carolina, has endorsed him for president. That's why. And Ron DeSantis is running against him. You see the pattern here. If you're on the right side, it, frankly, it's not any different than what you see on the left. If you're gay like Dave Rubin or black like Jason Whitlock, you're with us and you're as gay as it gets and black as it gets until you have contrarian opinions and go against the narrative. And now you're an Uncle Tom and um, you're you were maybe gay for the stay once, but you're not truly gay. It's the same dynamic. If you um, if you're aligned with Trump, then your record can be embellished, exaggerated, even completely spun and healed. Benny Hinn style healed. Um, if you're against him, then your record can be done the exact same thing, but the other way around. Just nothing but a, a gaslight. Except we're now at the time, though, that we are not using Trump's personal immorality to our advantage, but it is being used against us. We are the ones being lied to now. We are the ones being gaslit now. Now, for some of you, that won't matter to you. You have your idol. You're in love. You love your monkey. And I get that. And here's the thing. I love you. I'm commanded to. I'm commanded to love my neighbor as I love myself. So I'm going to put you ahead of your idol. You will hate me for it. But see, I think you're more important than your idol. I think you are greater than your idol. So you're going to hate me for doing this, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to pursue the justice that you don't care about. There are people in this industry who are vaccine injured and are, are just completely filleting Trump and forgetting about it on a daily basis. You should, you should go across the conservative media landscape today. Megyn Kelly has a top three podcast in all of conservative media. Top three. Top three podcast in conservative media right now, Ben Shapiro, Dan Bongino, Megyn Kelly in some order. Those are the top three. Every day you look. So it's not like people are going to be unaware of this. Right. Right? You should pay close attention throughout the course of today and conservative media quote unquote, and ask yourself who mentioned this interview with the complete face plants and who just bypassed it. That will tell you a lot. Number one, it'll tell you that they will put the idol ahead of you. The idol will come first. I won't. I'm going to put you first. Now, some of you, because you're idolaters, you will hate me for it. And that I'm not happy about that. I don't enjoy that. There's parts of the confrontation doing this job I enjoy immensely. I mean, opportunities to punch bullies in faces. I enjoy it too much to the point I have to be careful I don't become a bully myself. This part, though, I don't enjoy. I take no joy in any of this. But if I don't do this, I'm at a dollar or two. If I change the truth for you, like you're willing to change the truth for him, then I am guilty of exactly what you're guilty of, and I won't do it. I have, I have disappointed my Lord more times than I care to admit and I am ashamed of. But I, in this arena, I cannot think of any other reason why the Lord permitted a, a, a mailroom clerk born to a 15-year-old mom to have a platform of this magnitude other than to run this race. So I'm going to run it all the way to the finish line. Fewer and fewer of you will, pro- will likely cheer me as I get closer to that line. But you're ultimately not my audience. He is. So he tells me 
to stand up for you, to defend you, to love you as I love myself, even while you hate me for doing it. So I will. Because my life is not my own. It was bought at a high price and I'm not bought and sold at Trump's price. Which is why I'll also defend Trump. Even though most days for the last seven years, he's anywhere from annoyed me to graded on me. But I'll defend him too when it deserves it. For the same reasons. I am not going to polish your idol. I will smash it until they pry this microphone from my cold, dead hands. That's what I will do. Because that's the job. It isn't growing my audience. It isn't being rich. That's ultimately my job. And I will do this not one day less or one day more than he wants me to. So some of you will hate me for it, but I'm going to love you anyway, and I'm going to put you ahead of him. And I'm going to fight for you to get the justice that you deserve, even though you don't want it. Because my Lord did that for me. See, I was his enemy. And he suffered for me too. I hated him for the grace that he offered me. But he offered it to me anyway. And so we love because he first loved us. Which brings me to the former president. I, I don't have really any political analysis for this. It all, it all speaks for itself. We all lived through this. Not too recently. I want to speak about Donald Trump as a human being. Not this mythological figure in whom the sun, the moon, and the stars revolve. Just a guy that was one day born Donald J. Trump, made in the image of God. And one day, if you look at that clip, man, he's looking older. This is kind of like what Joe Paterno looked like at the end. Like it seemed like he was never going to age. And then like in the last couple of years, it was like he aged 50 years and 10 minutes. You guys, you remember mm-hmm. what I'm talking about? He is looking old in that clip. And at 79, 78, he's at the age you're not buying green bananas anymore. I was 10 feet from Donald Trump one day when he said, I've never asked God for forgiveness because I've never done anything wrong. You know, when I first started out in this business, I was not a believer. I actually got converted several years into my career. I'd already built an audience locally. And suddenly now I have this conversion and it's in conflict with some of the stuff I was doing on my show previously. And so over the course of time, the people in this community where I live, they literally watched me go through a discipleship sanctification process very publicly and 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 the clumsiness of that and the days I didn't want to live up to that and the days that I did and the days I was exhausted and the days I succeeded and the days I failed and some of you are still you're living through that too because my process is not complete yet that's why I'm still here and he who has begun a good work in you is faithful to complete it until the day of its completion and that so why am I here because the work that he's doing in me isn't complete yet and so there are days that you're like why'd you say that why'd you do that oh man that's crazy That wasn't apostolic. That wasn't very Christian. And most of the time, you're right. You are privy to my sanctification process playing out publicly as someone that was converted in the middle of a career. I believe with with Donald Trump, not the former president, not the business tycoon, not anything else, just a guy named Don. I believe we're watching the opposite take place. When God says to Cain, be careful, sin is creeping at your door. When the word says, your sins find you out. When the word says, and Pharaoh hardened his heart. I think you're watching the opposite take place with Donald Trump. 
he has both pursued himself and been permitted by many others to live in a repentance, to live a repentance free life for nearly 80 years. I ruin marriages unrepentant. I file bankruptcies and, and, and leave creditors behind unrepentant. I don't keep my word to investors unrepentant. I don't have to be. The crowd cheers. I committed the most immoral and illogical management decision in American history, lockdowns. It's okay. I handed the World Economic Forum's um, medical experiment wing a blank check to turn a lot of my own voters and the entire country into the largest human trial of all time still ongoing. No, that doesn't no repentance doesn't have to be. And sooner or later, particularly when you get to the age that Trump is at and he has been permitted this repentance free life sooner or later, just as you have watched my sanctification process, me battle with it like Jacob wrestling with God. You've watched this. You listen to this every day. Those of you who still are and who knows after today's show when we're done, there'll probably be fewer of you that will. Nevertheless, I persisted. (laughs) What you're watching with Mr. Trump, I believe, is the opposite. You are, you are watching someone's sins consume them. And you are watching a lot of people who have made a lot of money off of promoting him, enabling his eventual damnation if this does not change. Jesus doesn't care about a country. He didn't die to save America. He, he, he died to save sinners. And those sinners include you, me, and a guy named Donald J. Trump. Because see, this is beyond ego. Donald Trump's ambitions would actually be served by admitting mistakes here. People are rooting for him to take the off ramp. You can hear Megyn Kelly rooting. She's actually, don't forget the Supreme Court, like handing him a talking point. He won't take it. Democrats are now very smart people because they told him he saved 100 million lives. Frankly, all of us have probably rooted harder for Donald Trump to come to repentance on this than some of our own loved ones and our own children. We're like rooting, please give me something, some form of of, of genuflection, of self-awareness so that I can get back on board and we can all be happy and go win the next election. He won't provide it because no man rises above their own worldview. He is God and there is no other. He will not bow the knee. He will not repent. In hell right now are men who signed the Declaration of Independence. In hell right now are men who ratified the Constitution. And when they arrived for judgment, they didn't get the you ratified the Constitution, get out of jail free card. No, they never repented of their sins, and so hell is where they remain. There is no amount of adulation or significance or accomplishment for Donald Trump or any of us that God will overlook our sins, that God will set aside the justified wrath he has for our sins and and the damage it's done to ourselves and to others, all made in the image of God. There isn't. And you won't be able to say to God, with your bots relentlessly pushing on social media, look at the polls. 
It's a poll of one. God is the lone vote and his requirement to receive it is your repentance. You can tell this is spiritual for Donald Trump. It's not political. It's not, we're beyond ego now. He is shaking his fist at God. Every incentive you could imagine to satiate Trump's ego, to advance his ambitions, is before him to admit this mistake, to pawn it off on Fauci, to pawn it off on Big Pharma. They lied to me. He's had every opportunity. He won't take the off-ramp. Why? Because it would require repentance. An admission that you're wrong. You're not infallible. That God is God and you are not, sir. I promise you, as much as we suffer watching this take place very publicly, well, those of us who aren't idolaters anyway, plenty of other idolaters aren't going to watch it at all. They're going to save America again or something. The one who's really suffering is Donald Trump. We do not have an infinite amount of time to repent here, but a finite amount. And his, if you look at him and look at his age, it's closer to the end, way closer to the end than the beginning. But that could be true for any of us. Any day could be the day we step on a rake. Any day could be the day we didn't look both ways when we crossed the street. Any day could be the day, chest grab. Any day could be that day. We don't know. No one knows. But there are some things we do know. At certain ages and stages of life, you are clearly closer to that day in most cases than most other people are. And then when, you, when that day arrives, time is up. The time for you to repent is up. But the time that you will regret you did not will last forever. We will all be dead longer than we were ever alive. None of us, me, you, nobody listening to this, nobody we'd ever talk about is really all that important in the grand scheme of things. Almost nothing we're talking about now, anybody will care about 30 years from now, let alone 100. This isn't about us. It's about God. But not everybody gets that. And in hell, everybody's there because they didn't. And if we are at the point, I see pastors say, I've got to fight for Trump from my pulpits. If we are at the point that elevating Donald Trump's political ambitions is more important to us than his eternal soul, then might I suggest we have lost the point. That is a man who refuses to acknowledge the suffering that he helped cause, even when it would benefit him with legions of people, multitudes eager to forgive, and yet he still will not because he's shaking his fist at God. He is God, not God. And God will make a special accommodation for him because his accomplishments are just that special. And God will not. We are not going to save this country with our idolatry, but I promise you, we will help our enemies destroy it with theirs. And we are. Gentlemen, your thoughts. And to the non-cult listeners who have been uh, fans of Trump to some extent, lest you think that this is, you have to go back and question everything you've done before regarding him, th that. Please don't think that to be the case. Uh, 
Hold on, I don't want to pause. I want to say, address something. Forgive yeah, me. Yeah. This is an email I've received from Joe Pollack, exactly what I'm talking about. Quote, you're not going to stop anyone from voting for Trump, but you are turning many people off to DeSantis and yourself. Cut the BS. I want to make this very clear. Aaron, I want that camera to zoom in on me as much as it possibly can. I'm going to say this one time, and I want all of you to hear me. I don't care if every last one of you stops listening. I don't care if the blaze calls me three minutes after this show is done and says you're canceled. I don't care. Because everything that I just said is the truth. I don't care about your idolatry. I don't care about your threats. I don't care about your intimidation. In fact, I would count it an honor to lose all of this posh studio and this new contract. I'd count it an honor to lose it all for telling you the truth you don't want to hear. This won't work on me. In fact, it will encourage me. You are showing me that I'm over the target that I smashed your idol and this is the best argument you have and that I'm in very good company for men that you have said this, people like you have said this to and done this to in the past. So not only will it not stop me, I will sprint harder in the race. I will work harder to finish the race, whether it finishes at the end of this contract, at the end of this show, the end of my life, or in the, at the end of this segment. So thank you. I second that. I third. We'll be back with more in a moment. Hey, remember when hydroxychloroquine was safe to take for 70 years? And then right when maybe having a strong anti-parasitic medication might have worked for this new viral contagion, they're like, hey guys, that's not safe. Remember, you know, how about 2015? Pretty good year, right? Jim Harbaugh came back home to Michigan in 2015. They gave this drug manufactured by Merck called ivermectin. Gave it a Nobel Prize for the hundreds of thousands of, of people that it helped, tens of thousands of lives it saved. And then they, that same company, Merck, when people thought it might have some preventative properties, some healing properties against the pulmonary infections caused by COVID-19, uh, that same company, Merck, put out a press release saying, don't take our drug, it's dangerous, that we just won a Nobel Prize for. Remember those days? I do. Yeah. Remember yesterday? Remember yesterday where now there are suddenly the FDA is thinking, hey, now that we've got this RSV uh, mRNA shot we're about to introduce, maybe all of these decongestants for flu season that we've been telling you are safe all these years, maybe now suddenly they're not. Remember that? Because it was just yesterday. How could you forget? That just happened. Pure coincidence. It did. It did. Folks, this is why we uh, signed up with our friends over at Jace Medical, because they remember these days, too. And that's why they gave us first last year when they came on board the Jace case of venerable antibiotics like amoxicillin, doxycycline, you know, the next things that might be uh, told, we were told are too dangerous, right, when we need them the most. They wanted to make sure you had a backup supply for that moment. Well, now they want to make sure you've got a backup supply of your own meds. All right, so your own medications, uh, whether we're dealing with cholesterol, diabetes, heart health, blood pressure, even mental health, and more. Get that peace of mind with our friends over at Jace Medical. J-A-S-E is how it is spelled, jacemedical.com. Enter the code DACE at checkout for a discount. Discount code is my last name, DACE, at checkout at jacemedical.com.
Well, our first guest today will not require much of an introduction uh, to this audience because he's been here several times. Dr. Pierre Corey was one of the physicians brave enough to actively treat COVID when others were not. Uh, he's testified before Congress. He has engaged in multiple debates across the country uh, over the last few years. I mean, I, there's no other way to describe um, what he and others like him have done. Too few of them um, has been nothing short of heroic. And he joins us now here on Blaze TV. Pierre, it is a pleasure to have you back with us, Dr. Corey. How are you? Hey, Steve. Great to be back. Thanks. So you are living proof that our, our my assistant over here, Todd, is not the only good thing that ever came out of the state of Wisconsin. So we want you to know that. All right. Um, but let's start with the news this week that they uh, they tested something via blood draws on four blind mice for a variant that will soon be extinct. And but now you should go ahead and inject this into your your babies, your children and yourselves. I would imagine you have a few thoughts. I don't even know what to, what, what can I add to that to the question. I mean, you kind of nailed the the absurdity on its face, right? I mean, you know, one of the things I've said you know throughout the pandemic is how divorced the policies are from science, right? And 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 what's shocking about you know what you just mentioned, right? So you're talking about the CDC and the FDA now approving and promoting a vaccine that not only is variant outdated right, or soon to be, uh, it's monovalent, um, tested only on animals. And that to me is the thing that we should talk about, Steve, because what is so absurd is that because these regulatory agencies, now they consider this platform, the mRNA platform, the most toxic medical intervention we, we have ever seen in the history of medicine, they've now, they've now basically concluded that the platform is so safe that each subsequent vaccine and variant that it targets needs minimal testing, right? They looked at some humans, they looked at antibodies, they tested it on my, uh, whatever, mice, rather, you said four blind mice, Steve, that's probably right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and then it gets propelled into the population. And, and to, to, to understand the brazenness and the absurdity, literally six month olds, where we have a population that's rife with natural immunity, which portends you know, mild illness. I mean, we're talking about a cold here, like a severe cold, and they are promoting vaccines and naming variants and, and, and starting fear campaigns. And let me call it for what, what, how I see it. And I know, I know you and your viewers will understand this, but this is clearly an advertising campaign for vaccines. I mean. The, the bivalent booster uptake was only 17%. Vaccine sales are plummeting. They're not making the billions that they're used to. And so they're trying it one more time, doubling down, you know, with the same formula, right? Instill fear with a media propaganda campaign, you know, that the variants are circulating, da, 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 and that they have this wonderful solution. And the best thing you can do for public health is stay up to date with your boosters. And what I think, what I think is good about this, Steve, is it's not going to work. The American people have had it. I've been taking the temperature of what's going out uh, on out here in the population, they can now see through this fraud and this corruption. And so I, I think they're shooting themselves in the foot and, and whatever shred of credibility these agencies portend to have is gone, gone, Steve. I agree, Dr. Corey. And that's what has me concerned because while their, their credibility is gone, their positioning and power is not. 
And so, you know, they introduced the very first effort in uh, the winter of 2021. 85% of American adults took that first dose. And if you, we, did a, we did a graph of every ensuing booster and dose, it's been on a steep decline, as you pointed out, until the, the scant numbers that have taken the seventh one or whatever number we're on now before this one. But the, the power and position that these people hold has not been threatened in any meaningful way. I have a hard time, Dr. Corey, believing they're just going to say, you know what, by golly, you guys made your own choices. We respect your freedom and, and your critical thinking. And uh, we'll just keep be, we'll keep spending billions of dollars developing and manufacturing and promoting these things over here. You guys stay over here and make your decisions. And, you know, we hope you'll choose what we want you to. But we'll respect your. See, I, I, I just don't think that they're I think we're going to run run to a juncture where their patience with with our decision making may run out. You see where I'm going with this? Unless we threaten their power and positioning, you can only hand a bank robber. It's like Trump saying yesterday, well, I didn't mandate anything. We can only hand a bank robber a loaded gun so many times before they rob your bank, Dr. Corey. Eventually, they'll rob it. And at some point, we've got to threaten their power and positioning. They're not going to stop manufacturing these things unless we do. And if they keep manufacturing these things and we stop taking them, they're going to get, shall we say, aggressive in trying to force us to. Yeah, and, and you're right. I mean, the, their capacity, the depravity of how the lengths that they will go in order to preserve their profit margins and, and to achieve their objectives, really, the, the, there's no bounds to it. I, I agree. But but Steve, I mean, I, I do think that there there is a limit. I mean, it's 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 called compliance, right? I mean, they can do whatever they want. I mean, if, if, if most of the population is awakened to the fraud and the brazenness and they're not going to show up for the vaccines, you know, I, I don't know what else they have cooked up to do that. I, I, I don't think mandates are, are going to work. In it, although there's still mandates around. You know, a couple of months ago, there was 104 universities still mandating this for young students that are almost all COVID recovered. So, I mean, it, it's still bad out there. But I mean, Steve, if we don't show up and we're not going to put up with this, I mean, there, there is there is a rebellion against masks. I mean, lockdowns, I do not think would ever happen again. I, I don't think the American popular. Again, maybe I'm being too optimistic here, but I, I mean, what else do we have but our own bodily autonomy that we're mm-hmm. going to more fiercely protect ever, after it's been robbed? I mean, Steve, they've robbed the bank multiple times. We, we were on to them. I mean, how many times can they rob a bank when we know, when they know they're coming? So then what's the end game? If we stop participating and they keep producing, they just eat it? Because I, I agree with what you said, but I, I agree that that is the zeitgeist out there of the, of the contemporary mood. I agree with that. But, but as, if you're a student of history, these kinds of elements don't just, ah, yeah. shucks, good for you, and shuffle off to Buffalo all on their own, defeated, honest fight, better man won, better side won. You know, we'll do this again sometime. That that's typically not how this level of conflict ends, Doctor Corey. No, you're right, and and I think I think we need to be wise and prepared for whatever their next move is. And and you're right, they 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 can they're going to pivot to whatever they can be succeed at. I, I do think this strategy is failing though, and and but I appreciate your points. I, I you know, I, I do think you know they're smart. <laughs> they, they know how to get uh, they know how to get the money, and they're, they're going to figure out ways to do it. I, I just I think the, the tactics which they've deployed so far, uh, especially the the media propaganda, you know, the mandating using legislature and all that. Um, I, I don't know that those tactics are going to work in this way anymore. I, I, at least I hope so. Can I ask you a couple of medical questions from people that I still am getting in the aftermath of the last few years? Um, number one, 
how do I know if this spiked protein is still in my body or not? How long does it stay there? I even, maybe I just took one dose right away in the winter, uh, or I took a dose in the fall when they tried to, my job tried to tell me I'd be unemployed if I did not. And I haven't taken any more. How long do I need to worry about that spike protein being in my system? Am I a sleeper cell or I wake up one morning and something, some autoimmune deficiency I never had before just suddenly shows up? How long do I need to be worried about that? So... I would say we don't have the tools right now to definitively answer that for everyone, but we do know a few things. So recently, a week and a half ago or so, a paper came out where they actually, uh, in a research lab, they were able, they have a test uh, where they were able to test for spike presence in the bloodstream. And in the collection of patients, I think it was somewhere between 20 and 30 patients, they found that in half that at six months, they were still finding active spike protein in the blood. So that's half, right? And so we know that, that people have the capacity to continue producing spike. But then you have to also marry that with the knowledge that the lot variation was wide, right? There's this Danish paper from a few months ago where they analyzed the adverse events around like uh, kind of three different um, uh, products that were used to immunize the vaccine, uh, the Danish population. And in a huge number, there was like zero adverse events reported. And then in another category, there was like a medium and then one was high. So we know that a certain proportion of these vaccines are like biologically inert and do nothing, right? So the fact that you're vaccinated, if you're otherwise well, there's a good chance that you're probably not producing spike and you got what was effectively an inert placebo. Um, Others, we do have evidence. And so, and and this is hypothetical, this is a hypothesis. I don't have enough data to conclusively say this, but in my practice, we use a test called the semi-quantitative spike antibody level. And we've been tracking that, we've been collecting data on it, and we, we kind of think it's a proxy for spike in the body. And we are seeing patients who got vaccinated two years ago, and they have very high spike antibody levels, uh, inordinately, much higher than that we see after COVID. And, and we also know from autopsy data from those that have died that they're riddled with spike protein in numerous organs. And so all I can say is this, is that a proportion of people vaccinated will continue to produce spike. Not all of those who are producing spike will have symptoms, but many do. Um, and so, so it, it, it's, it's very hard to give a clear answer, but that ultimately I can say this, is that there is a risk of continuing spike production and, and illness uh, befalling you. Most of the epidemiologic data shows that the sudden cardiac events and, and the catastrophes are occurring uh, within weeks to months, generally within the first year of vaccination. So the farther out you are from your last uh, jab, I think the more reassuring you should feel about your prognosis. But again, we just don't have enough data. That paper that I just cited, I mean, that's, that's like the first paper that really was looking for the duration of spike detection in in the body. We need way more research on that. And Steve, you know that there's no appetite for that kind of research. That's the thing. All of those important questions, they don't want to have answered. In the the few minutes we have remaining, Dr. Corey, let's let's flip it to the virus side of things. So I was out in California to do an event uh, on July 22nd, come in from working out at the hotel. All of a sudden, there's a ringing in my ears and I can't hear anything in my right ear, except that ringing. Slowly but surely, with some steroids and other things, the hearing is starting to come back at a snail's pace, okay? But one of the things that I was told by my ENT is this is a viral thing. They don't know what causes it. There's been a massive spike in this in the last few years. And so you know where my mind's going right away, okay? And so I've been telling my audience for the last few years that 
everyone here is taking a risk, given that the, the vaccine and the virus were likely created from the same research origin. Yep. Okay. And so of a malicious to questionable origin, everyone's taking a risk. Either we don't know the long-term ramifications of exposure to this virus, even asymptomatically at first, and we don't know the long-term ramifications of taking uh, that spike protein even once. Now, we can probably guess what happens if you're taking multiple times, but everyone here is now a lab rat. Is, is that an accurate description in your view? Am I telling my audience is something true, or should I change it so that I tell them what's actually true? I think everything you just said is is 100% accurate. The only thing I would add is that, uh, and, and this is a major point that we need to understand, is that the the antigen they chose for the vaccine, which was literally the spike protein, the spike protein is a pathogen. That is what is causing disease. You know, I have a practice that specializes in, in long COVID and long vax. I mean, these are patients chronically ill after getting vaccinated. And, you know, what's shared between those two syndromes is the presence of spike protein. And so literally, you know, they're using a pathogen as the vaccine. And they're, they're not only doing that, it's not just a shot of that protein, it's a shot of MR. RNA, which tells the body to make that spike protein. And so um, everything that you just described, I mean, it, it, it's an absolute experiment. I mean, remember, this mRNA platform is the first one of its kind, and it went global. I mean, when you look back at this and you think of the absurdity of, of what we did, you know, in this supposed emergency, I mean, it was an overreaction, and they launched this new platform technology that's really not well studied enough, and there's so many questions. Um, and they and they they basically injected billions of doses around the world, telling human bodies to make a spike protein, which is actually toxic to the body, and and with no ability or knowledge of how to shut it off, how how often it's going to be continuously produced. This was a massive experiment. This they they did not have the, enough knowledge in order to embark on a global vaccine campaign, and that is why we're sitting here in a, a humanitarian catastrophe. I've only got thirty seconds, so enough time for a true or false question. True or sure. false. Traditional vaccine technologies are meant to provoke your immune system. True. mRNA vaccine technology is designed to alter or, um, uh, uh, alter or manipulate it. Um, neither true. I think that's, yes, it's true. I would say it's still trying to get a protein into the body to provoke an immune response. So I think that objective is still there with mRNA, except the way in which they do it is really precarious. They're telling the body to make the spike protein. They're pretending that it only gets made locally where it's shot in the arm, and they're pretending that it's only made for a short time. And that's where it would be most similar to a traditional vaccine, but that is simply not true. It completely departs from that. So you are right. It is completely different from a traditional vaccine. FLCCC.net, you still uh, affiliated with them, Dr. Corey? Oh, yeah, of course. Okay. FLCCC. Frontline COVID Critical Care Alliance is where you want to go. FLCCC.net for more information like this. Always good to see you, brother. Thank you very much. Thanks, Steve. Good to see you. You bet. Quick reaction to that conversation. I'm glad you asked that at the end about the distinction between uh, traditional and MRNA. Uh, there are uh, real distinctions there. What there's no distinction of and what's not new here is to the misdirection, the lies, the manipulation. That's a whole different drug that they've had you on for this entire time regarding how when Steve and I and anybody our age, when we were babies, the, the amount of injections we had to the amount of babies that have them now. That's been going on for a very long time and there's no difference and they got you right by the you know what. I will right, we'll come back. 
for Theology Thursday, I want us to consider something. It will be a challenging message. Doesn't mean it's right, but it's something I think we need to consider. More in a moment. All right, back here with Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Theology Thursday coming up here momentarily. I'm Steve Dace. He's Todders, and he's Aaron McIntyre. Let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox by emailing us, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe, and Gab. Follow me at Steve Dace Show on Twitter, Gitter, Instagram, and TikTok. You can also find me on Truth Social over at Real Steve Dace. And if you are a podcast listener, we appreciate you guys so much. Please, if you have yet to do this, actually, maybe you've already done it. Maybe they'll let you do it again. We'll, we'll, we'll take repeats. We still enjoy watching reruns of our favorite shows, right? Sure. So if you want to do a rerun, five-star review, cool, we'll take it. We'll take all the five-star reviews we can get. And thank you to all of you that have given us five-star reviews already. Don't forget to hit subscribe or if you're on iTunes, follow so that every new episode we do shows up in your podcast feed automatically every single time we do one. And thanks for doing that too. This portion of the show brought to you by our friends over at uh, uh, my patriot supply forgot that we had already done a couple of these already um let me share this with you guys really quick if you don't mind where is this daniel sent this to me yesterday and forgive me okay here we go consumer price index increases in the last three years all right now wages have gone up 14 percent However, shelter has gone up 17.2%, food at home, 20.3%, eating out has gone up 20.5%, new cars are up 21.9%, rent has gone up 23.4%, electricity, 24.2%. We're not not talking about PlayStations here, guys, and vacations, food, shelter, utilities, the the important things here. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Um, uh, Used cars. Plus are are up 32.4%, most expensive used car market in American history. Gas utilities, winter's coming, right? Going to need some of that, right? Mm -hmm. Up 34.5%. Home prices up 40%. Fuel oil. Do we need fuel oil? A smidge, a skosh, a dash. Each of us needs a dash of fuel oil every day. We will be told soon that it's just horse paste. Indeed. It's up 68% in three years. Gas up 73% in three years, folks. That's my ad for my Patriot Supply. Right there. All right. Preparewithdace.com is where you want to go. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, even drinks and snacks. The full complement of 2,000 plus calories you need each day for three emergency months when and if we're going to need it. Get it today. 25% off and free shipping at preparewithdace.com. 25% off and free shipping at preparewithdace.com. So I hate to do this, man, because we've had so many great conversations about Dr. Tony Evans's book and uh, my buddy LM, you know who you are, who suggested this book to us, who knows Dr. Evans. Thank you very much. We have we've had months of phenomenal conversations about this, even in areas like a week ago, you had a, you know, a, a bit of a disagreement that you wanted to confront, but they've been the right kinds of, of conversations and disagreements. They've been substantive. They've been aspirational. 
And those are a lot of times nowadays, the arguments that we are just not permitted to have and the, the kinds of demonic days in which we live. So we're right to the end of the study. I hate to pull the plug for even a week and call an audible this close to the finish line. But I, I've been thinking about something and I want us to consider this. And I think given the timing of events that we were discussing last hour, this is a good time, I think, to consider it. So we're in Theology Thursday, so I'm going to be explicitly biblical here. Let's, let's establish some caveats, some disclaimers, okay? The Bible calls itself a double-edged sword. Now, what does that mean? It means it, it cuts the giver and the receiver simultaneously. The edge is sharp on both ends for those of us wielding it and for those of us that it is being wielded against. It is described as the, the sword of truth in the armor of God. It is the only offensive piece of armor. Everything else, helmets, breastplates, those things are all defensive in nature to guard you against attack. The, the sword of truth is the only, you, you wield a sword offensively to attack. We, we see in the scriptures that, that God has a history of judging his people by and with the very things that had befallen them. So for example, Old Testament Israel succumbs to idolatry and worships the gods of the pagan gods of the Philistines or the Canaanites. And, or, and then ultimately those very people or other pagan peoples like the Assyrians or the Babylonians become their God's instrument of punishment to, uh, he uses, hey, you want pagans so bad? I'll punish you with pagans to, to get you back onto the narrow road. Stop me if I'm saying anything that's not biblical at all here. All good. All good so far. Okay. And in our small group, we just finished a study of the book of James, which of course would make Todd the Catholic very happy. It is I, going through it again. I can see why Luther tried to get rid of this book. Even, even if you take a Protestant view as I do of, of um, faith without works is dead it is very clear throughout the entirety of the book that the emphasis on fruit, the doing of the word, does probably align with a lot of where you like to come from on most occasions, Todd. Fair? I can see why. I think it aligns with what you... You don't, you don't believe that this is just some... A random, transcendental no, meditation. No, I don't believe we're just engaged in a philosophical yeah. exercise where I feel bad about my sins once, answer an altar call, and then just go on and make antinomianism great again. We're I don't believe that. Yeah. One of the things that James points out, and he tells us to 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 be joyful, to be tested, and he draws a distinction between temptation and testing. That temptation is what the enemy does. 
entices us with the darker parts of our natures, the things about ourselves that we wish were not true, or we try to not be true, the, the forbidden fruits that we know we shouldn't want, but man, they, they're savory nevertheless. And, we, and, and he likes to dangle them in front of us to get our lips smacking and the, the, our mouth is watering. And before you know it, I'll take another bite of that. That's temptation. Okay. And, and what James says is that God does a testing. So if the enemy is trying to tempt you into succumbing into that which is evil, God will test you to see about your resolve for that which is good. If the enemy tempts you to abandon your faith and follow his snares instead, God tests you the strength of your faith. The enemy is only mentioned specifically or only show he's mentioned actually a lot. He only shows up specifically a few times in scripture. And in a, and in a couple of a high, of the most high profile ones, it is with God's permission to test. The book of Job, for example. The enemy says, well, you know, basically the enemy says people only only worship you because you give them life and good things. And what does God say? Well, consider my servant Job. Let's put him to the test. Will he curse me? The enemy has given permission to test God himself in the desert. Christ, after 40 days, is tested. I then went and looked this morning. And I wanted to see, you know, what about this idea of biblical testing? Is this something that just James highlights? Or is this something that is a theme that runs throughout the scriptures. Is it rare for God to test the character and faith of his and obedience of his people? I got to tell you, I found at least 25 places in the old and new Testament that God either tested the faith resolve and character of his people, or it says that God will, or that he should. And, or that's, that's what he does. One of them that really stood out to me, Psalm eleven four. The Lord is in his holy temple. His throne is in heaven where he sees everything and examines or tests everyone. The Lord is in his holy temple. His throne is in heaven where he sees everything and examines slash or tests everyone. So no, what James is addressing here. And remember, James is Jewish. He just believes his brother is the Messiah. So he would understand, and, and the only scripture James had in his period in time in the first century was the Old Testament. So when he's talking about testing, he's referring to verses like this. We haven't written a New Testament yet. It's being written in real time. It's being, it is being orchestrated and authored in the time in which James is overseeing the church in Jerusalem. So he's talking about scriptures like this. So this is clearly a major theme in the scriptures. It is not a rare event for God to test his people, to examine them. Not a rare event at all. Now, are we clear on all those caveats? We have any disagreements on any of that so far? Nope. I want to make sure we're not coloring outside the lines at all. Nope. We're good. Okay. Now, before I say what I'm going to say next, I want to reiterate what I said at the top of this show. I am not a prophet. I, I, I'm... I, I don't have a, a capital P, at least as far as I know anyway, a capital P specific calling. 
like that, like, uh, like, like that is an office, as a designation. Okay. Um, so I'm not here with a word from the Lord for you. Meaning something specific God gave me to tell you. Because I have a unique relationship with him given this position I hold that others don't. I do believe that God has given me inspiration that I've imparted to you like the, the night in that hospital six months ago. But I think that's small p prophetic, meaning that if you, have a, if you are in relationship with the Lord, if his spirit is active in your life, you can have those kinds of epiphany moments and revelations yourself. It, it's not, I was a shepherd named Amos, nobody knew me, God called me out of nowhere and said, bring this word to my people. That's what I mean by a capital P pro, uh, prophetic gift, is that we're calling? Is that, is, mm-hmm. is that okay too? Yes. All right. So I am not saying this with any authority at all. I'm not even sure what I'm about to say is correct. But I think it is something that we should consider. One more disclaimer. Jesus is adamant. Understand the signs of the times, right? Rebukes his, his disciples, encourages them to understand the signs of the times. Rebukes the, the Pharisees. He says, hey, you guys watch for signs of the weather, but you don't understand the signs of the, of the times. I'm the Messiah. I am doing the messianic ministry before you and you fail to recognize it. So of under, so of discernment and understanding the signs of the times is also vital. I believe the times we are in are the most openly demonic age in this culture's history. Or at least it's, at least it's up for consideration that we are attempting to do things to each other, to our own children, to mainstream them, things that are of no value at all to the human experience, none. And, you know, some of the analogies I've used in the past we have gone from, I, I'm concerned my teenager will act out by not controlling his urges and have, or her, her controlling her urges and having sex with their high school boyfriend or girlfriend to, I can't get my teenager to even ask a girl out. We've gone from, I'm concerned that your ambition will drive you into complete materialism and soulless technocratism and you'll view people as chattel and say things like greed is good to... Uh, people wouldn't even take a risk to even start a business where they wouldn't even gamble on success now. They wouldn't even, we're at the end of the parable of talents. Master, I, I knew that you were a cruel and wicked taskmaster, so I took the talent that you gave me and I buried it out of fear of failing you. And Jesus looks at him and says, you are a wicked and vile servant. We're kind of in that era. And, and I view those as evidences of open demonic influence in the culture, that we are now, as sinners, we look to exploit the things that God puts in us our sexuality, our ambition, our giftedness. Um, we look to exploit those things beyond the, beyond the boundaries and the, guy, and the guardrails that God gives them to us alongside. That's sin. We are now denying those things. To the point, not a day goes by, there's not some viral video with some attractive woman bragging about the fact, I'm, you know, I'm happy to never be a mom and, and live this selfish life. 
Is that still fair? Even, even if even if I haven't correctly diagnosed the era and gone too far, is it at least fair that we're somewhere in that kind of a ballpark? Of course. Okay. Now I want to marry these two disclaimers. We have on one hand, this open demonic influence in our culture that we all see the evidence of. Further evidence would be Truth is chloroformed. Truth is gone. We live in a truthless age. Truth isn't even sought. Just results. Results that give me and affirm my narrative is all that I, that I seek, not the truth, even if it would challenge my narrative. That would be demonic, right? Mm-hmm. All right, so we have these signs of the times of this demonic era over here. And then over here, we've already established that there is a testing that God does of his people all throughout the ages, old and new. Even his own son, he tested. So now we have two sides of a formula. Maybe. Just a consideration here. Just a consideration. I want to propose that what we are seeing transpire is not exclusively and and maybe not at all a demonic infestation of America. Meaning that the malevolent force is the one who's the initiator and aggressor. I want us to consider that what we are experiencing actually is a testing. And that God is permitting, maybe, the, the, the dial, the gas to be turned up, the heat to be turned up, to continue to test us. You say you want revival? You say you want to save your country? Let's find out. Do you? Because he can say, I, I was there at the beginning. I knew the flawed men that appealed to me in their documents, primitively, but sincerely. I chose providentially to answer their prayers in spite of their character in many cases. But I saw humility there. So if you want to be like them, okay. They had to pledge their lives, fortunes, and sacred honors to learn what divine providence meant. They had to go through revivals and awakenings to know what that meant. Be careful what you wish for. How many times are you willing to lie for the kingdom of God? And when we say lie, we're not talking like the Corey Ten Boom variety, where you're just hiding the Jews in a hiding place. You're Rahab, the harlot hiding the Jewish, the Hebrew spies from, uh, from the pagan um, uh, in law enforcement. We're not talking about those kind of lies. We're talking about a flat out bearing a false witness, which is really the command. The, command is all, the commandment is not do not kill, it's do not murder. It's really do not bear false witness more than do not lie. I mean, we are willing to, to completely alter reality for our idols. And we will call out the people that are not, we'll call out the idolaters that are not with us when they do it, and we will look the other way and even perhaps openly applaud it 
when the people that are the same kinds of idolaters as we are will. Here's a, here's a, here's a brand new poll from the same people that told you that masks were 100% effective and that the vaccine is safe and effective and lockdowns worked. Here's a new poll. Oh, your idol's up 80 points. He's up 180 points. He's up 5,000 points. Let's test that. Will you stop telling the truth now because it looks like it's growing increasingly unpopular? We just get on board. The scriptures are very uncomfortable because God's ways are not our ways. And he often behaves contrary to what we anticipated, even while doing so to the end outcome that we were hoping and praying for, if that makes sense. For example, You want to save your country. A country founded on the laws of nature and nature's God. But depending on what the public opinion polls say, those laws of nature and nature's God, we just set those aside. Is God more concerned about what the public opinion polls say or his, his revelation to the world, the laws of nature and nature's God? What would you say the answer to that is? The latter. The latter. More often than not, what would you say our, our consideration is? The former. Yeah. Do you have any evidence in all of the scriptures of, of that approach working? I do not. You know why you don't have any evidence? Because there is none. Because there isn't any. That may be the most important thing to save a culture is to save the souls of the people in it to, to save the, the character and integrity of those same people. If this happens from the inside out and not from the outside in, and maybe the, the more that we present idols and champions who deny these things, while saying things that we agree with in other capacities, the further away from that salvation we actually get, not the closer. And that is the test. Do we really want revival? Or do we want a king so we can be like everybody else? Do we really want revival? Or do we want a following? an audience, significance, popularity. Do we, do we really want revival? And I say this as someone who is convinced that the next election is a must win. So I, I'm challenging myself when I say this. Do we really want revival or do we have to win that next election? I just want us to consider we may have this completely backwards and that we are actually working against the out stated outcome we say that we wanted. 
You know, one of the things you see in the founding eras of the country are, are, are days of prayer and fasting. Now, why did they do this? To try to discern God's will. What did God want? There's not a lot of discussion about God's will. There's, there's kind of an assumption, actually, that, well, we're up against real evil. That's true, right? Yes. Therefore, we're automatically the good guys, and virtually anything we do in opposition to it will be good, and God will bless that. Is that how the Bible works? No. It doesn't, actually. Here's how the Bible works. Be more concerned about the log in your own eye than the speck of dust in somebody else's. When Jesus performs the feeding of the 5,000 and he begins to teach on following what it truly means to follow after him. And the people that just were there for the show and for the, uh, for the, for the free lunch start walking away. You know, you see Jesus chase after them and, and really try to water his message down. To, no, he doesn't do any of that, actually. He, he appeals to the followers who had been with him all along and challenges them instead. He lets the multitude go, just lets them walk. Let's him walk away. Without a second thought, he turns to his own disciples and says, will you now abandon me too? See, God's economy doesn't operate according to our narrative. And we have this like Western way of thinking that if our multi-campus church is cool enough and the praise team is slamming enough and if our stained glass windows are, are, are ornate and windexed enough and if we're clever enough and if we're big enough, and if we're popular enough, we're making an impact. That could be true, but it doesn't have to be at all. Has, if, those thing, if you're making an impact, it is not because of those things, ever. I want us to consider, and I could be wrong, Maybe we have a handful of politicians who are specifically anointed by God. And God has told us that their sins don't matter. And frankly, our sins in overlooking their sins don't matter. And that God has suddenly decided sin is not a big deal to him, even if it costs his own son his life. That it's on temporary hold. That America, America is a special enough place that he will do for us what he did not do for his people Israel when they gave up on sacrifice and the law. He said, you know what? You guys are my special people. I won't punish you. Is that what he did? No. Bible been a lot shorter if that was what he did. He actually never did that. He punished them. But maybe we're more special than Israel was. Maybe we're more important. And so our sinfulness doesn't matter. The sinfulness of our leaders doesn't matter. The idolatry that we pursue in order to overlook both their and our sinfulness no longer matters to God. All God cares about are the stars and bars. That's entirely possible. I am going to suggest, however, based on a very cursory read as a layman of the scriptures a few times in my life, that that's actually not how the book goes. And that we should probably consider we're zigging instead of zagging. That we're at that point in Mr. Mom that we, we like our motivation is we really want to drop our kids off at school and get them there on time. And we're trying really hard to figure out how to drop the kids off, but we still went the wrong way. And the attendant looks at us, looks at us and says, you're doing it wrong. 
And it doesn't matter how much we desire to get our kids to school on time. If we go, th- if we do the process of getting them there wrong, they're going to be late. See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I, I just want us to consider the possibility we have this completely backwards. And that our willingness to continue to pursue this backwards, backwardism, is the test. And until we let go of that idol and walk away, and that idol isn't a person or, it, it, or even a country, it, it's not any of that. Ultimately, that idol is ourselves. That we are owed something from God, and we are not. If we are on the last history book page of America, is it undeserved? Not in the least. And it's not about what, what is owed to us, but what God is owed. And then maybe we have this backwards. And humans aren't God's. And God is God and we are not. And despite how hard we're pushing and zealous our desire is, we're doing it wrong. We're doing it backwards, actually. It's God first and then everything else kind of falls into place at that point. Even to the point that God wants you to see, God God had Abraham put his own son that he waited 50 years for. Had him put him on an altar He said, all right, I want you to slay him right now to test Abraham and his faith. You waited decades for this promise to be fulfilled. Now here is your son, your grown man's son, your legacy. Take him out. Show me that you're going to put me first. And that if God was willing to do that to Abraham, the father of many nations, I have no idea why we would assume he would not be willing to do that to this nation, why we would escape such a test. But I could be totally wrong. And full of it. I may have completely misread the scriptures. I don't have a specific prophetic calling. So I just wanted us to take a few minutes to consider it. And now about your day. Powered by our friends over at Pure Health Research, the latest data from the American Heart Association indicates adults with fatty liver, three and a half times more likely to have heart failure than those without. The American Liver Foundation is concerned that maybe up to 100 million Americans have fatty liver, which means a lot of us can be at risk. It's one of the most important organs in our body. As we get older, we have put a lot of tread on those tires, whether it's cholesterol, alcohol, toxins, Tylenol, statins, cigarettes, right? When you're talking about an organ that helps to dictate 500 key functions every day, it's obviously very important and can get strained. And that's why you're looking for the Liver Health Formula, an all-natural supplement that contains 12 clinically proven botanicals that will help you recharge and protect protect your liver. It's manufactured right here in the USA and approved by American doctors. You can try liver health formula and receive a free bottle of nano powered omega threes to keep your heart healthy as well. If you go to getliverhelp.com slash Steve, that's getliverhelp.com slash Steve. Claim your free bonus gift too at getliverhelp.com slash Steve. Join now by Florida governor, Ron DeSantis, Republican presidential candidate. Good to see you governor. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Very well. Yesterday, you and your medical director, Dr. Joe Latipo, uh, came out 
uh, in direct uh, challenge uh, to the use of further mRNA vaccines. These ones were tested on four blind mice only with a blood draw, and we're going to give these to kids and toddlers and everything else despite no real human testing or trials at all. You guys have made the extraordinary um, step, which no other state has done, of saying we are not going to recommend that for uh, youngsters here in Florida. Um, We're not really going to recommend it for really anybody unless you're in the most high-risk elderly categories to risk it. Why? Why have you guys decided to to yin when everybody else here has decided to yang? Well, what you said, uh, so the Pfizer trial was uh, not humans. It was mice, uh, very minimal study. It was basically just measuring their antibody levels. Now, Moderna did do a 50-person a trial for their mRNA iteration. But what happened there is that of the 50, there was one medically significant event that required physician attention. So a 2% adverse reaction rate is really, really bad. And so you know, I asked Dr. Bhattacharya from Stanford, who I know you know, uh, if, if we were outside of this COVID stuff, and this was like before COVID happened and everything went crazy, would this have ever gotten approval And he said, not in a million years uh, with such limited data. So we actually are saying what what our Surgeon General is saying is, no, don't take it if you're under 65. If you're over 65, consult your physician. So there's not a recommendation that anybody actually take it, Mm -hmm. but there is an affirmative recommendation that young people don't do it. Are you honestly going to tell me that we should be jabbing six-month-old babies with this new mRNA shot based on that data, such a limited amount of data, it is reckless for the CDC to be telling parents around this country uh, that it's safe to jab their kids with this. First of all, uh, before you even get to the safety, you gotta say, what's the benefit? They cannot point to a benefit for why a six-month-old baby would have this, or a two-year-old, or a six-year-old. And so it's just further evidence that these agencies like the CDC, FDA, um, and NIH, uh, they've really been corrupted by ideology, by politics, uh, and we need a reckoning for all these agencies. And so we're doing our part in Florida, uh, but I hope to be able to, uh, to bring this all in for a landing nationwide. Uh, by upending the the nonsense uh, in D.C. Ron, I want to ask you personally and directly, why are so many of your gubernatorial colleagues hesitant to do what you guys did? Why why is your state the only state, the only form of government literally in this hemisphere telling any form of truth outside of the propaganda from Big Pharma and these captured agencies? Why is your state alone? When you talk to your colleagues, why don't they say anything about this? So I think part of it is, who do you have in your health department that's advising? And my Surgeon General, Joe Latipo, he's kind of the anti-Fauci. You know, he was against the lockdowns. He was against school closures. He was against forced masking. He's been leading on the MNRA vaccines. Uh, and so he's able to issue these recommendations. 
there may be other governors who are sympathetic to the views Florida's taken, but it very well may be that, that none of the people surrounding them uh, would concur or would do it. And I think it's easier said than done to find some of these people, because what happens to a Jay Bhattacharya when he speaks out against school closures? He gets smeared. You had Tony Fauci and Francis Collins talking about they had to go after these guys who wrote the Great Barrington Declaration, which was basically saying, you know, do what Sweden and Florida did, uh, you know, six months into COVID. Uh, and so that's what they want to do. So there's a cost for people in that profession to stand up and lean in against it. Clearly, the FDA and Big Pharma, uh, you know, have a very cozy relationship and they scratch each other's backs. So I think that there's a lot of stuff that happens, but structurally, it is important that you have people around you who are gonna be willing to, to speak the truth. Uh, it's just not always easy uh, to find those people. And I think back to some of the earlier days in COVID, you know, when we did the Florida reopening, when we did the schools, when we were doing all this, I did not yet have Latipo on board, so I was really out on a limb. I was being killed, and I'm fine to take the, the heat, but basically being killed saying, oh, you're against the science, you're fa because a lot of the entrenched interests were saying that this was something that, uh, that, that you shouldn't be doing. So I do think we need to do a better job uh, as Republicans of recruiting people uh, into some of those agencies, certainly federal agencies, that are gonna be able to, willing to take the blowback to speak the truth. And not everyone's willing to do that. I'm sure you saw the former president's interview with Megyn Kelly last night, uh, trying to relitigate a lot of these COVID issues and, and controversies from the end of his presidency. Um, you, uh, you were accused of having one of the worst lockdowns in the country, uh, vaccine mandates, um, praising Fauci for months on end. I want to give you a chance to respond to all of that because that, all that stuff was mentioned by the former president in that interview. Well, first, I think it's important to say that that is different from what Donald Trump used to say. I mean, he used to praise Florida for having been open. He used to say I was one of the country's great governors. Uh, he said we handled COVID correctly and brilliantly. So he used to say that he was on record always saying that. Uh, now, because I'm a threat to him, that's when he's now changing his tune. But the, some of the things he's saying are just bold-faced lies. We never mandated MNRA COVID shots. In fact, I called a special session of the Florida legislature to prevent any mandates in the state, and not just by the state government or local government, we provided protections for employees at private businesses, which a lot of establishment Republicans basically were saying businesses should be able to do whatever they want. Christy Noem said that. Their employees Cr 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 Christy Noem told yeah, her own so constituents in, in, in July of 2021 that if you don't want to work for a company with a vaccine mandate, just go get another job. She, she said that publicly. And that's so you're basically saying, you know, your job or the jab, you have to make a choice in that. So, so we fought against that. Clearly, Florida uh, led the way um, in being open uh, to much to the attacks that I used to, to, to suffer from. And a lot of the attacks that I suffered from through the balance of 2020 was the, the media in Florida leveraging the Trump White House against me and saying, oh, the governor isn't following the Trump White House uh, directives. He has restaurants open. He has schools open. He has all that stuff. So they really use that White House task force as a cudgel to try to beat me over the head, to try to portray me as being reckless uh, because, you know, we had opened the state and we were doing all that. So, so that's just the reality. And then on Fauci, 
Steve, I'm the one that sold Don't Fauci My Florida shirts like two years ago. Don't Fauci My Florida flip-flops. I mean, this has been a rallying cry that we stood up to Fauci in Florida. Uh, the free state of Florida would not have been what we are uh, were it not for, uh, sorry about that, were it not for us standing up to Fauci. That's the bread and butter of what we've done to fight against Fauci. And here's the thing. I fought against Fauci when he was popular. It's easy for Republicans to, to, to ding him now because he's unpopular with the broader electorate. Back then, Donald Trump used to cite Fauci's poll numbers as a reason why Fauci was somebody that should be listened to. He said, Fauci's got these great poll numbers, but we're listening to Fauci. Why don't we have the same poll numbers? And his campaign for reelection in October of 2020, they were running videos where Fauci is bragging that Donald Trump did everything I told him to do. They were putting that out as a positive message for their candidate. And then, of course, he did give Fauci a presidential commendation his last day in office. Megan asked him about it, and, and he said, like, what was that? Was that the immaculate commendation that just happened to happen? It said Donald Trump awards Fauci this commendation. So I thought it was really pathetic to, to sit there and listen to that drivel. Um, it, is, it is totally false. And you know what? People in your business, and I know you've, you've spoken out, there's a, people in your business who have their own shows, they know all that's false too. Uh, we'll see how many of them are willing to step up to the plate and call a spade a spade. You are in leadership, executive leadership, like the former president. The state of Florida is not as big of a platform as the presidency is, but it's the largest swing state in the union. It's probably the second largest executive leadership platform in the country next to the White House. You've admitted, hey, we did some things we're not proud of. We made some mistakes. We listened to people later on and the data wasn't right. So we switched and did those things. You are more qualified to answer this question than I am. I have gotten it hundreds of times the last few years. Why won't the former president do this? There are, there, are, there are so many people eager to give him absolution here, eager to, eager to see him take any of these off-ramps and pivot to Big Pharma lied to me, Fauci lied to me, shouldn't have listened to them, I won't do it again. There's scores of people that are eager to, to give, him, uh, a, a mea, give him some form of absolution with even a minimal level of mea culpa, and yet sitting here in September of 2023, he still won't do it and still talks about, I saved 100 million lives and people tell me how great of a job I did and history will tell me it was even better than uh, I think it was. I, I've not been in your shoes. Most of our listeners haven't. The shoes of an executive leader with millions of lives at stake with every decision you make. So how would you answer that question? Why do you think you have been able to show some empathy and self-awareness and he has not where this is concerned? Well, look, I, I am who I am. Uh, you know, I, I've exercised strong leadership. I would argue that I got more right during this period than any elected leader in the country, perhaps. And there's others that have been done, done well, like your governor, Brian Kemp and others. Uh, but at the same time, uh, I had to make corrections. There were federal guidance we were following in April of 2020. Uh, it was either not necessary, ineffective or counterproductive. So of course you have to pivot out of that. Um, you know, we really embraced treatments for COVID when we saw the failures of the mRNA vaccine in the middle of 2021. You know, that's really what leadership is all about, especially in these issues uh, that are more novel, that there's a lot of moving parts where there's in, in, uh, incorrect or not actually incorrect, incomplete data. Uh, you're gonna have to be able 
to make to make course corrections. And so to not acknowledge any of that, uh, you know, I, I think is a real question mark about uh, if he could ever get elected again going forward. And I have my doubts about that. Uh, if this these set of circumstances were presented to him, he seems to be saying he would do the same thing all over again. And here's the thing, Steve, we have and I'm the only candidate, I think, that will say this clearly. You know, if we go back to March of 2020, knowing what we know now, we should not have done the Trump Fauci lockdown policies. They were harmful. They were destructive. They didn't they didn't work. They should not have spent four point five trillion dollars throughout 2020 with CARES Act one and two that set the stage for the inflation that paid people not to work that underwrote the blue state lockdowns. Knowing what we know now, we should not have done it. The U.S. government handled it wrong. That's just the fact. So you know with me as president, uh, if we have these set of circumstances, you're going to have people around me like Latipo, Bhattacharya. I'm going to listen to the people that got it right. Uh, but we would never uh, repeat the mistakes of the past. And I think, you know, with, with Donald Trump, I think he he thinks that those were the right policies. Now, he, he acts like he had no agency over the policies at the same time. But if he's in the same situation, what we do, I think he'd do it. I think one difference between how he and I look at things, he really likes polls. He really cares about polls. He wants to know what he's doing is popular in the moment. Uh, and he's obsessed with polling data. I don't give a rip about the polls. Uh, when I was making decisions in Florida, particularly on the front end of COVID, I was getting hammered. Uh, my public polling was going down. But at the end of the day, a leader's got to stand up and do what's right. I cared more about protecting the jobs of the people I represented than I did about protecting my own political hide. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, thank you, Ron, for joining us here on The Blaze. Appreciate it. Godspeed. All right, thank you. You know, cold turkey may be great on sandwiches, but there's a better way to break your bad habits. And we're not talking about some weird mind voodoo from your crazy neighbor. Uh, We're talking about our friends over at Fume. Uh, they look at your problem in a different way. Not everything in a not very bad habit or every habit is bad. Uh, some, you know, just require drastic, uncomfortable change. So why not just remove the bad from your habit? Fume is an innovative award nominated device that helps you do just that. Instead of electronics, Fume is completely natural. Instead of vapor, it uses flavored air. And instead of harmful chemicals, it uses all natural, delicious flavors. So you get it. Instead of bad, Fume is good. It's a habit you're free to enjoy and makes replacing your bad habit easier your fume comes with an adjustable airflow dial and it's designed with movable parts and magnets for fidgeting giving your fingers a lot to do which is helpful for de-stressing and anxiety while breaking your habit stopping is something we all put off because it's hard Switching to Fume, though, it's easy, enjoyable, and fun. Pick up the journey pack today. Head to TryFume, F-U-M, as in Mary. TryFume.com. TryFume.com. Use code Steve to save 10% when you get the journey pack today. That's TryFume, F-U-M.com, and use the code Steve to save an additional 10% at TryFume.com. Code Steve for the discount. Todd and Aaron, what do you think of the conversation we just had with uh, the Florida governor, presidential candidate? Ron DeSantis. Well, his response there at the end about the polls is a version of what you did uh, earlier in the show when you had the camera zoom in on you. And he says, I just, I don't care about that. I am commanded by my God to preserve, protect, and defend the good, the true, and the beautiful. Now, 
he ran for governor. He's not theologian in chief. He's also not doctor in chief. So you have consultants. And yes, iron sharpens iron, but there is always going to be some trial and error. There is never going to be any perfect politician. But the best of politicians is the one who, once they do make an error, they care more about getting it right than saving their own hide as it's perceived by the pundits, by the polls, whatever. That's the distinction between him and Donald Trump. That'll do it for today's show. We're back at it again tomorrow, noon to 2 Eastern, right after Glenn Beck. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.